are here for a reason. This, 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 this news just in. We are your news now. Right on radio. For continuous coverage, the latest information, separate fact from opinion. Get the truth. Get the news. You're listening to Right On Radio. You are here for a reason.
Well, welcome to Right On Radio, everybody. My name is Jeff. If you're new, and I do get new people every Sunday, it seems. Uh, this is a faith-based broadcast. During the week, we do some intel stuff and mostly uh, pointing out a lot of false doctrines and what the magic trick is that Satan is using to deceive believers and to keep believers from being effective in the kingdom. The tagline of the show is Live Right in the Real World, where I show you the real world, both visible and invisible, and you decide what is the best way to live. Um, got a good one here today, folks. <laughs> got a really good one. I'm excited about some of the revelation that I've gotten. I've studied these uh, verses for a couple weeks in a row now. And I got to tell you, I'm feeling <laughs> some opposition. <laughs> and uh, in somewhat of a physical form, as well as uh, among some other things. So I'm just going to pray real quick, and then I have a couple quick announcements, and we'll get right into the reading of the word. Heavenly Father, our language cannot describe, Lord, the privilege that it is to know that God, the creator of this universe, of all things, has sent his Holy Spirit to live inside of each one that has chosen you, Lord. And Lord, what a privilege it is to read the word of God and to study the word of God and to have the Holy Spirit minister to each one of us what your word is actually ministering to us as individuals, Lord, because you are a relational God. You relate to each one of us, no matter where we are in our walk with you, no matter where we are in life. It has nothing to do with stature, possession. In fact, your word is the opposite of everything the world teaches us. And Lord, it is the most highest honor to be able to read not only the word of God, but the words that God in the flesh hath spoken. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit will speak through me this morning. I pray that your Holy Spirit will minister to each one exactly what you want them to hear. And Lord, if anything is not of you, I pray it falls off of their ears and that I would have immediate correction. Let your word go out with power today. I pray in the mighty name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Yahuwah, let it be so. Amen. And just on a, a quick note, uh, I reminded, I think it was, I looked at the chat, and I think it was one wise guy had put in 
what I believe to be the actual name of God, Yahuwah. And I'm going to be changing my habits and saying Yahuwah much more. Uh, I've been convinced over the last couple of years that this is a good thing to do. You know, many false preachers and, you know, the Bible warns us about they lift up Jesus, but we know they're talking about a different Jesus. And Jesus says clearly in his own words, many will come saying, I am Jesus, you know, that they're going to claim to be him. But I don't think people would get away with saying, I am Yahuwah, <laughs> which is the very name of God that is written in your and my DNA. So um, having said that, I want to just make a quick announcement. Um, I want to thank you for supporting me and supporting the show. Um, currently, I've had really two ways to support me, and that is on Patreon, which is on Podbean, and it's a monthly thing. And, and it's good, and, and I really appreciate the monthly donations because I can somewhat count on them. Um, and a few people use PayPal, which I also have. Links are in the description. But I heard over and over from a lot of people that they just don't necessarily want to get hooked into a monthly thing, and they don't want to use PayPal. And, you know, PayPal really tarnished its reputation by stealing the money of uh, people who spoke out against certain things. So I completely understand it, but where I am located internationally, a lot of the services don't work. Uh, so I, we're limited here. But I was speaking with a friend of mine who's also a podcaster, the fakeologist, and he strongly recommended that I try a new payment system and I looked into it, and what he described was it is so easy. You don't have to put in an email. You don't have to establish a password. <laughs> you don't have to do anything. It's just, you know, put in your donation, bang, and it's there. And it accepts various platforms, even I understand like Venmo and things like that. Um, or credit cards, but it, it has multiple ways you can do it. It's probably the simplest and easiest, and it's very cost-effective. So the link is in the description. I'll put it up here on screen. Um, it's uh, it's DonorBox, but you'll see the link in the description if you uh, do choose to try it. Um, I would suggest that uh, it's very, very easy to do. And so I thank you in advance. All right. I'm going to pick up in verse 18. We're really going to be starting the study from 23, which is where we left off. But because these go so closely together, uh, I just really want to start at verse 18. And I'll read through to the end of the chapter. 
Now, when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to depart to the other side of the sea. Then a scribe came to him, teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, the foxes have holes and the birds of the sky have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. And another of the disciples said to him, Lord, allow me to first go bury my father. But Jesus said to him, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. When he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And behold, a violent storm developed on the sea, so that the boat was being covered by the waves. But Jesus himself was asleep. And they came to him and woke him, saying, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. He said to them, Why are you afraid, you men of little faith? Then he got up, rebuked the winds and the sea, and it became perfectly calm. The men were amazed and said, What kind of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? And when he came to the other side into the country of the Gardarines, Two demon-possessed men confronted him as they were coming out of the tombs. They were so extremely violent that no one could pass by that way. And they cried out, saying, What business do you have with us, Son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? Now there was a herd of many pigs feeding at a distance from them. And the demons begged him, saying, If you're going to cast us out, send us into the herd of pigs. And he said to them, Go. And they came out and went into the pigs. And behold, the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the waters. And the herdsmen ran away and went to the city and reported everything, <coughs> including what had happened to the demon-possessed men. And behold, the whole city came out to meet Jesus, and when they saw him, they pleaded with him, to leave the region. Thank you, Father, for your word. Holy Spirit, minister to everyone here. I'm going to do something a little bit unusual today, and I'm going to relate some of these scriptures to modern day events. I feel uh, when I was studying yesterday and thinking about these passages, I felt 
led by the Holy Spirit to talk to you about this because as Jesus was with them in the boat, you have to understand the major principle. Yes, he spoke to the wind and calmed the sea, but the whole transaction took place because Jesus was teaching them a very important lesson. And though that lesson that he taught on that day in that boat was carried forth, and you see it demonstrated time and time again in the book of Acts and everything else, he prepared them for what was to come. And I really believe the Spirit of the Lord is saying to you that just as he was training his disciples at the time, this word is a training for you. I pray the Holy Spirit is saying the same thing to you. And although I did um, 18 through 22 to some extent last week, I just want to touch on a couple things quickly because it sets up the rest of the chapter and you'll see how it all comes together at the end. And I will finish this chapter today. I have to. So first of all, Jesus is walking the earth and he is telling people about the kingdom of God and to repent their sins, sin no more. He's healing the sick and he's doing this to spread the word that the Messiah has come. And all of a sudden he has crowds all around him and that's what you would think someone who's preaching and teaching would want. And of course he did. And this is right after he, you know, was preaching on the Mount, the Sermon on the Mount. But he did the opposite of what the world would do. A preacher in the world or a teacher of any kind, if they had a big crowd amassed, no, 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 no they're going to stay and work that crowd until they can't anymore. But Jesus does the opposite. He leaves that to go out into the open sea. And of course, one of the scribes, religious leader at the time, not friends of Jesus, sounds like he was impressed by Jesus. And he said, I will go with you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, you're going to have to leave somewhere behind. He goes, I don't know where I'm going to sleep next. And of course he did, but he's telling them, um, you really have to leave everything behind. And another said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, follow me and let the dead bury the dead. 
he was sending a message to both of these people, and these are examples, that you have to leave to everything you've learned from Pharaoh, by the way. I'm just going to put that out there. Um, Pharaoh is a symbol of the demonic. It's a symbol of the world system today. Their schools, their propaganda, their tell-a-vision, the frequencies that come over the air through radio, through the internet, it's all the world system. It's all controlled. Don't think for a second the internet is free, folks. I know you don't. Verse 23. When he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. Now, there's at least Jesus and the 12 disciples. So at least 13 people in this boat. And I say that for you to have a picture in your mind. I want you to picture the scene. This is not a really small boat. This was a fishing boat, and it had a substantial size to it. Um, they would have to because they would have several fishermen, and they needed multiple hands to gather the nets and to pull all the weight of the fish in. And, you know, they would they had to earn their living from it, so it couldn't be just a shallow boat. This is a significant boat that can go out into the sea. And, of course, the sea that's being described here is the Sea of Galilee. <coughs> and the Sea of Galilee is not that big, but it's a significant body of water. It's several miles across, and we don't know exact. well, I didn't study to find out exactly uh, which way they're going, width or, or length. It doesn't really matter. They were in the middle of the sea, and the storm came up. And this storm was violent. And we know it's dark when the clouds are out. The, the water is bashing and it's going over the walls of the boat. It says the boat was being covered by the waves. So they're taking on water. And please understand Many of the men in these boat in this boat were seasoned fishermen. They would have grown up on the water, generational, being fishermen. This is not the first storm that they've encountered. And they know how deadly it can be because these guys know what the sea is capable of. They had respect for the power of nature. But they're, you know, assumably in the middle of the lake. They don't see the shoreline because if they did, maybe they wouldn't have panicked as much. But Jesus was asleep 
Now it doesn't say that any of any of the rest of them were asleep. Maybe there was more, but I have a feeling that none of the disciples were asleep because of the raucousness of the waters, and they are scared for their lives, legitimately scared for their life. And you would be too, most likely. We all have fears. And especially when your life is in serious, legitimate danger. So they woke him up saying, save us, Lord. We are perishing. So they were pretty sure they're not going to make it. But they were also sure, you got to remember, they've seen a number of miracles by this time. They're sure that Jesus could save them. That's why they said, save us, Lord. We are perishing. And then Jesus said to them, why are you afraid, you men of little faith? That sounds strange. He knows why they're afraid, but he directs the comment to how little faith they have. You see, something has changed by this point with all these men in this boat. They know that in the natural world, they might perish in a storm like this, in a natural world and in a natural setting. But what has changed? Jesus is now with them. And he says, you of little faith, because in the future, when their lives are threatened, and they do get threatened, (laughs) and they're facing their impending doom, They did not back down. They were willing to believe in the Lord or die for their faith. Then he got up, rebuked the winds and the sea, and it became perfectly calm. The wind died, and to be perfectly calm, the sea would have been like glass. And the men were amazed and said, What kind of man is this that even the winds and sea obey him? 
Well, indeed, that is a very good question. What kind of man is Yahuwah? Yahuwah is the first of its kind. He is the second Adam. Adam was made in God's image. And he was sinless and blameless until sin entered the world. Jesus came to create a new type of man, the God-man. And there's only ever been one. But he had to do it because sin could not come into that man. Sin cannot dwell where Jesus dwells. He became a new creation to make way for us. Because he has covered our sins and we are blameless before the Father, the Holy Spirit can now enter us. But it's still the Holy Spirit and us. We are not God. But we are a new creation. That's why we are born again. For today, you know, if you just look at the news that has gone on in the last few days in particular, in the last week, several weeks, several months, we're experiencing many weather events. If you just look at Friday alone and how many earthquakes there were all around the world. We look at the fires that come up around the world. And we look at, you know, hurricanes and tornadoes are going into places where they never went before. And you and I know that this is, a lot of it is man-enhanced. Man has created technology, certainly from information from fallen angels, to manipulate these things and to steal, kill, and destroy. But remember, for each one of you, something has changed. 
figuratively speaking, Jesus is in your boat. Now, if there's a windstorm or something heading your way, I want you to have faith. God wants you to have faith. Does that mean you don't put boards over your windows? Don't be a fool. Of course you do. You see a storm coming, you prepare for the storm. But Jesus has proven here that no matter what man does, no matter what the nature of this world does, Jesus can calm all of it. <clears throat> and he did it for them, and he can do it for you. I also want to speak of a different storm. I know that everyone has seen the clips of Donald Trump saying there's a storm coming. And because he said it, and because it's a patriotic movement, and because we know about the corruption and the evil that is around the world now, many people have become aware of all these things. Many people are looking forward to that storm. But storms are not pleasant. You know, a farmer will be happy when he gets rainfall because his crops need it and it's for his provision, but he's also happy when the sun comes out and there has to be a balance. But a storm can be overwhelming. And I really think that the storm that is coming is going to overwhelm many people, including those who are cheering it coming on, because that storm, like all storms, are somewhat unpredictable. And people might not realize what that storm will actually bring. You know, is it strong winds and rain? Is it a firestorm? Is there heavy hail? Different types of storms carry different things. And the storm that's coming has not been clearly defined. And nor, I don't, I don't think anyone could clearly define it. Even those who are planning to bring about the storm. You see, they can game out as much of this stuff as they want. They can use their supercomputers. They can know human psychology. They can use propaganda to push people into certain areas and to try to change the way they react to all things. But there's a factor that they cannot account for. 
And that is Jesus is in the boat. And the winds and the waters obey him. And Jesus says, why are you worried, you of little faith? I'm telling you, the preparation really needs to be in your mind. It's good to do things in the physical too. Don't get me wrong. But there is a storm coming, folks. And I could pull out all the biblical evidence. When? I don't know. But it's coming. Just read some of the judgments that God pours out on the earth. A lot of them are storms. And they're devastating to humanity. But for you who is born again, Jesus is in your boat. Lord, I just pray for an increase in our faith, Lord. Lord, I pray that each one will choose this day to believe you and your promises to an even greater extent than ever before. Lord, I pray for everyone in this community that you have knitted together, myself included, Lord, that you continue to build up our faith. And Lord, I'm not asking for demonstrations of your power, although you can, and we love it when you show your hand and your goodness. We love it, Lord. But Lord, I pray that each one of us just chooses to press in more and more and more. And Lord, that you will meet us with an even greater measure than we are asking for. Surely, Lord, this is a prayer that is in the will of the Father. I ask it in the name of Yahuwah. Amen. If you notice, I have my eyes closed a lot today. Um, it's not because I'm trying to be super spiritual. It's because I have uh, some really bad eye strain, and it's actually um, painful to have my eyes open today. In front of the screen and not in front of the screen, but the screen... Uh, seems to amplify it. And when he came to the other side into the country of the Gadarenes, two demon-possessed men confronted him as they were coming out of the tombs. They were so extremely violent that no one could pass by that way. 
So the Gadarenes is a, uh, to my understanding, it's a very largely populated area or region. And these two men were demon-possessed. It makes no uncertainty about it. They are possessed by demons. Please know, brothers, sisters, that if you are born again, you cannot be possessed. So do not let this strike any fear into you. I know that uh, when we talk about the demonic, it it's dark. <laughs> it's bad. It's the opposite of God. And yes, demons can and do possess human beings. And I will tell you that I believe it is far more prevalent in society than you think. Now, these men had a legion in them, as we learn from the other gospel writers. doesn't name them in Matthew. We know there's more than one demon inside of these guys. And these guys are so violent because they've lost control of themselves. They are under the possession, so they are possessed by demons. And if any other human would come near them, they are so violent, what do demons do? They come to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what they do. And these guys... Oddly enough, it says they're coming out of the tombs. What are the tombs? It's a graveyard. Now, why would demon-possessed people want to go, want to be in the graveyards? Why do some people that call themselves Christians and are not go into graveyards, lay on type of on top of tombs and get that energy out of the grave? I can't explain it all, but it's called necromancy. It's grave soaking. And we know that Places like Bethel, if you go into Bethel Music, their page on, you know, and, and their music's throughout all the churches around the world. And right on their front page of their Facebook page, it shows them grave soaking. There's some kind of demonic power that's in graveyards. Benny Hinn famously brags about the story where he went to the tomb of Catherine Kuhlman and he says he took over her mantle. <laughs> Is he demon-possessed? 
I would say the evidence is there, but it doesn't always look the way these two men look because you got to remember the devil can also come as an angel of light. But the mission is to steal, kill, and destroy. What does someone like Benny Hinn do? He steals people's faith because they think that this is a great man of God, it's a great movement of God, and that he's a great healer being used by God, and then when they're not healed, oh, you don't have enough faith. Or when he says, give me your last thousand dollars, I don't care if it's your last thousand dollars, the Lord's telling me to give me a thousand dollars today, and he's going to give you abundance. And the abundance never comes. Oh, you didn't seed your seed faith. You didn't have enough faith. Does that steal? And does that kill? How many people have walked away from the faith destroyed because of men like this? And this is why I'm coming against the bad doctrine of the NAR, of the New Age. Because they're doing magic in front of you. I may as well just throw this out there too. Why would a so-called Christian go and do paranormal investigations in graveyards. Why would a co-host not say anything but go along with it? For those who have ears, let them hear. So these demon-possessed men were so violent that no one could pass their way. Now, I want you to picture this as I get into verse 29. We know in the Bible, demons flee at the name of, at the, when we call on Jesus, they flee. We know that from the scriptures. But these two demon-possessed men ran towards Jesus. Why? Why? They tell you why right here. And they cried out saying, what business do you have with us, son of God? Let me just stop right there. Why did they go running to him? Because they recognized him. And get this. The devil and his demons 
did not expect God to be as a human. They didn't expect that killing him on the cross would completely defeat them either. Jesus is in complete control. But they recognized him. So the demons recognize the Son of Man, even when he's in a different form. They saw him and they knew him. And they even said, Son of God, which means he's equal to God, by the way. And I'm just curious, because you have the Holy Spirit in you. Do demons recognize the Son of God when they see you? I think they do. I think they do. And although we can't be possessed, we can certainly be tormented. And, you know, the Bible does not really say clearly. I want to be careful why certain people get possessed. It doesn't say clearly. But we know one thing. They're not filled with the Holy Spirit. So I guess someone who is, and even a kid, it doesn't matter, someone who does not have the Holy Spirit, and maybe when, kid, when it happens to kids, maybe there's something with the ancestral line, a forefather made a promise or something or brought a curse on the family. We don't know the answers. But we do know with sin, we can invite torment because sin always has consequence. And I'm not talking about eternal consequence. No, not at all. Not at all. But when we sin, there is consequence for us in this life. It's just how God made this whole operation he put together, his whole creation. You love your brother, you'll be loved by others. You hate people, you'll be hated by others. You do reap what you sow in this world. So the demons recognize the Son of God. And listen to this, what they say next. Have you come here to torment us before the time? Oh, this is so telling. So they know that their torment is going to ramp up. They know that they have already lost. They know that they cannot defeat 
God, no one can. They know it. And they also know that there's a time. Now it says not even the angels know the exact time. But we will know the season. And they know their time is up. And I just think to myself, and you know, there's been a lot of talk about celebrities lately and, you know, what they're doing at the Super Bowl today. And these people who have traded wealth and fame and things like that to follow a demon who only wants to steal, kill, and destroy. But you see, that demon has tricked them. They actually, he believe, he's told them that he's going to win. He has, he's lying and he knows it says it right here. You can't say that these little demons know and the big guy doesn't know. You can't say that. Now there was a herd of many pigs feeding at a distance from them. And the demons begged him saying, if you're going to cast us out, send us into the herd of pigs. You see, they they knew that if Jesus casts them out, he's not going to put them in another human being. You, you, you just have to assume that from this. But it also says something that they don't like to be without a host. And when we get into chapter 12 in the book of Matthew, you're going to find out something that I haven't figured out yet, but if they're without a host, they go into arid places. And there's more clues to things, but these are disembodied spirits. So these are probably the Nephilim spirits, essentially, that uh, survived the flood because they don't have their body. And remember when we studied Jude, um, it talks about, you know, spirits that had left their domain and uh, they're punished for it, but they want a host for whatever reason. Now, the pigs is very interesting. So, first of all, by having the pigs here, you know this is a Gentile area because the Jews aren't going near the pigs, right? I think that's pretty easy to understand. Uh, pigs were known to be a very unclean animal. So, the importance of that that I see is this is really a foreshadowing 
of what is going to be mostly accomplished through Paul later on. But this is really Jesus showing us that the gospel is going out to the Gentiles as well. And as you're going to see in the last verse of this chapter, the Gentiles rejected him as well at first. But he, so he's in a Gentile area. He's bringing the gospel there. Why else would Jesus go there? He is bringing the gospel. And so they beg of him, send us into the herd of pigs, an unclean animal. And so Jesus said, go. He granted the permission. And they came out. And by the way, if you read the other gospels, like Luke gets into much more detail here. Um, is their named legion, meaning there's many, 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 many names. There's, you know, however many, we don't know. But there's a lot of demons in these men. And he sends them into the pigs. And then the pigs. So what's actually kind of interesting here is that uh, <laughs> that animals can host demons too. But there's a difference between animals and people. Animals have instinct. And they, you know, they have emotion and they have different things, but they don't really have the intellect or the will, uh, the capacities that we have. Obviously, we're made in God's image. They're not. And when these pigs got filled with these demons, it, it, it goes one of two ways. Either the pigs would rather die than experience the torment of these demons in them and rushed into the water themselves, or Jesus sent them. Now, I'm of the opinion that Jesus sent them. And one of the reasons I have that opinion is what does the sea represent? It represents the abyss. So when I read it that way, that he sent these spirits into the pigs and then into the abyss, that also tells me that Jesus doesn't do deals with demons. He didn't do a compromise. It wasn't a negotiation. Jesus does not deal with demons. Even when you look at when Jesus was tempted by the devil, he didn't do a negotiation. He just shut him down. And they all drowned in the waters, and the herdsmen ran away and went to the city 
and reported everything, including what had happened to the demon-possessed men. Now, in the other Gospels, you'll read that uh, actually one of these men begged Jesus, please let me follow you. And Jesus actually commanded him. He says, no, go into the city and tell people what God has done for you. And so when they had these demon-possessed men who were now free went into the city and they told the townspeople, the whole city, the whole city came out to meet Jesus. And when they saw him, they pleaded with him to leave the region. You see, they were scared. They didn't understand what had happened. They did understand that thousands of pigs just went into the sea. And although they know wonderful things have happened to these men, they couldn't process it. They didn't understand all these things. So I go back to verse 19. Then a scribe came to him and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus said to him, The foxes have holes, the birds have sky, of the sky have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. These people at this time were not ready to lay down their possessions and believe and follow. But the man who was set free was. You have been set free. It's a, it's also worth noting um, when Jesus sent these men into the towns, do you think the men just told the story once and <laughs> went on their way? These men became disciples. They became evangelists. These men told everybody, and you'll see later on, Jesus returns to this area, and all the people come out, and they're bringing their sick. They're being healed. Jesus took demon-possessed men and made them into incredible evangelists that made a difference in the world and welcomed, listen to this, and made way for Jesus' second coming. Because Jesus went back to that area a second time. Are you out there? Do people see the Spirit of God in you? Do the demons out there see the Spirit of God in you? I say yes, they do. But you have to remember, even someone like Job, God will allow 
devils to whisper in your ears and to torment you sometimes. Because God wants to test you and he wants to grow your faith. Just like he did to his disciples in the boat that day in the middle of the storm. Praise God. I hope you uh, got something out of this. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, that's a that's good point. So a legion was known as at least 5,000. Thank you for putting that up, Misty River. <coughs> and And perhaps that's what it's signaling here. Or perhaps it's just, just too many names to name uh, because the English language, there's more than one meaning to a word, but there was a lot. That's for sure. Um, if anyone wants prayer, they can put it into the uh, chat box on Rumble or Facebook and uh, and I'll put it in all caps folks, if you can, and uh, I'll be glad to pray with you along with the uh, other people who are watching and listening right now that uh, will also pray with you. I'm only going to give it a, a minute today, folks, because I'm actually in some pain with my eyes here, and I noticed someone prayed for me. I think it was Katie Q, and probably more, so thank you. I'll just give it a couple seconds here. Um, this week, I'm going to be launching the Write On community. Um, uh, and I'll just say this, I'm expecting, I and I don't know what it is, but I really feel that uh, Between today and, and let's say the end of the week, there's going to be some significant stuff happening out there. And uh, maybe we're on the uh, verge of this storm. The way the Lord has timed these uh, podcasts with his word, it would not surprise me at all. All right, I see one prayer, okay, for Izzy. He has little time left, 17. Yeah. Okay, I'll pray for Izzy. Is there any other prayers? Well, I'll make it short and sweet. And Heavenly Father, I thank you for Cackle Smack, and I thank you for her dog. Lord, I've seen pictures of a dog, and I know how much she cherishes little Izzy. Lord, is a beautiful, beautiful dog, and he's been a comfort to her for quite some time, as as, he, as pets are part of the family, and their love, it's unconditional love we feel from our pets. And Lord, there comes a time when either you just take them naturally or out of our mercy, we we go and get things done to 
takes them out of pain. And Father, we just I just pray for Cackle Smack and her, and her husband, and I pray for for Izzy as well that for the rest of Izzy's days, no matter what their number, Lord, that uh, that Your grace is on upon, and there's less suffering and. And as I tend to pray now when the writing's on the wall, Lord, I pray for dignity. Dignity, Lord. And quality of the time remaining. I pray that you give Cacklesmack and her husband the, uh, the knowledge of when it is time and when it isn't, and your grace upon them, Lord, that you'll be their comforter. And they'll have, Lord, if even possible, the joy of the Lord, knowing that the Lord has guided their hand and they're doing the right thing when that time comes, if it comes. I give you thanks in the name of Yahuwah. Amen. Hey, thanks for being here, everyone. Uh, God bless each and every one of you. If you're watching the game today, I, I will be. I'm actually going to be getting together with the old, my old crowd. <laughs> and there are some characters there, let me tell you. But I have, uh, and yes, I'm going to be drinking beer and eating food that's not good for me. <laughs> that's all true uh, but I've prayed for myself today that uh, I will go there and I'll be presented in a way that they have not seen me before with more humility with more grace and uh, and if you're going to be around some of your secular friends and, and by the way some of the people there i've ministered to and some have accepted jesus but not walked with them some are working on it <laughs> but i'm just gonna pray that uh that these people see jesus without me having to say things because is it the time to preach no and i'm not going to be doing a live decode of the, the ritual no I'm just going to enjoy their company. And uh, I've known most of these guys for, you know, decades. So um, and it's it's nice. And it is, we have a lot of good history and good memories together. So it's not often I get together with them. So, and I pray the same for you if you're going to be in a similar situation. Um. In the meantime, you know, I I really believe that uh, prayer that was said earlier over our increase in faith and with that, the Lord's word says it so many times, it's easy for me to repeat this and say, God's word says to you, be loved because he loves you and he's in your boat. 
He's in your person. Don't you know your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit now? Be loved. Be blessed. Be the Berean to build up your faith. And simply, faith is the belief in things yet unseen. So simply, believe. Have a good one, everyone. We'll see you on Tuesday.